season's going to end on a double doink. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broadway. And your hosts, Brendan Deeg and Eric Warner. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. This episode is sponsored by 22Bet. 22Bet is your one-stop shop for all your sports betting. Download the 22Bet app today and enjoy its easy-to-use interface. The app is fast and reliable and completely intuitive. The sign-up process is short, and the sign-up process is remarkably quick. There are lots of products, including slots and live casino betting. Mark your favorites for quicker access to your preferred sports leagues and teams. 22Bet is a huge selection of payment methods as well as options for cryptocurrencies. And transactions are fast and no additional fees apply. Take advantage of your 100% welcome bonus for your first-time deposit. 22Bet has some of the highest odds on all the sports you're interested in, along with excellent coverage of sporting events, including local leagues. Terms and conditions apply. Please click the link in our podcast description to get started. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, football faithful, and welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deeg. I will be your host today. If you haven't hit the subscribe button already, please do and give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcast. We are live on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, we are there. No Eric Warner today. I do have a special guest with us. We're going to be talking some Eagles football. Jimmy Kemsky of the Philly Voice. Jimmy, how are you doing today? Honored that you have me on the Double Doink podcast the week after they played Cody Parkey. So thank you. <laughs> That's a good nugget. Good point there. Yeah. Um, and Cody Parkey had a field goal blocked in the game too. So uh, Cody Parkey gift is, keeps on giving for Eagles fans. Um, but unfortunately, Eagles lose 22 17 to the Cleveland Browns in what was another ugly game for Eagles fans. Um, Jimmy, I just want to start off with this because the big talk is the play of Carson Wentz right now in Philadelphia. Um, what did you make of Carson Wentz's performance? Um, I know it was another ugly one, but did you see anything specific that you uh, that caught your eye? Like, what was your kind of overall maybe grade of Carson Wentz on Sunday? Yeah, overall he was bad. <laughs> I don't think that's yeah. high-level analysis there, and I don't yeah. think high-level analysis is needed. The one play that everyone seems to be fixated on, and with good reason, is the pick six to be through. Weird route by Rager, maybe a weird route combination. Doug was asked about it in his press conference. Uh, I don't remember if it was after the game as well, but he definitely was asked about it on Monday. Uh, said that Carson maybe should have uh, let that fly. Uh, it was a, kind of a, like I said, it was a weird route combination. It was Fulgham's on the outside. He's running like a deep post. And then from the slot, you have Rager running something close to a wheel route, and he didn't like turn his body as if he was running and out. He just sort of kept his his uh his shoulders to the inside of the field and uh Sandejo uh was the safety on that play uh he had that you know he had the, like a 10 yard cushion had that wheel route locked up if that's what it was so it was a weird play uh I don't know if um uh, Doug did say that you know Carson like I said he should have fired on that play he didn't uh as he's done a lot of times uh a lot of other times this season held on to the ball uh tried to check it down but by then it was too late he got hit by the uh, blitzing. I don't remember if it was a corner or safety or whatever, but he got he got hit, and uh, the ball shot up in the air. And you know the easy pick six by Taki Taki was there, 
So, and my my favorite part of that play was the feeble Richard Rogers uh, diving <laughs> tackle attempt. <laughs> yeah, it was wasn't really much of an attempt. Yeah, <laughs> it looked like more like a like a, when I was twelve playing slip and slide in the yard. <laughs> uh, yeah. But getting back to your question, yeah, I mean, I don't think much. Uh, I don't think there's there's really any secret. Carson Wentz didn't play well uh, as he hasn't played well all season long. Yeah, this was uh this was kind of. Like if you put all the Eagles problems into one game, I think it kind of emphasized it on against Cleveland. Um, you had a bad offense, you had uh, not timely defense, you had bad quarterback play. Um, just sorry to put you on the spot here, but would you have pulled Carson Wentz at halftime in that game? Uh, see, I would I would go into a game. I would have already gone into a game with the idea of giving Jalen Hurts a series. Don't just mm-hmm. put him in for a play or two here or there. Give him a series. Let's see what you got. I mean, you already spent a second-round pick on him, and I think the justification for that at the time was he was Carson Wentz insurance. And yeah. by that, I mean if Carson Wentz went down. Like, certainly nobody expected the Eagles to be this bad this season. <laughs> so, like, they, they place a high value on the backup quarterback, but you did spend a second-round pick on him, so maybe you should at least see what you have there. Now, I don't know that benching Carson Wentz at the second half or really at, at all at this point in the season really does anything. Like it doesn't matter at this point in my mind, like they're done. Like they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're probably not going to win the division at this point. And even if they do, who cares? So for me, the issues are more foundational than they are like but benching, benching Wentz at this point. I mean, what does it accomplish? I mean, maybe mm-hmm. you, you get to see, you get a look at Jalen Hurts and I think that's maybe valuable. But again, you can kind of do that by just playing them a few series here and there. I think ultimately their 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 best path toward uh, you know becoming a tender contender at at any point over the next few years is if Carson Wentz somehow shows that he can be something close to the quarterback that he once was. Because anything close to what he's playing right now, just I mean, that's you're you're shopping for a quarterback at some point mm-hmm. if, uh, if 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 he doesn't, and if Jalen Hurts doesn't pan out. But yeah, I, I'm sort of on. I'm kind of rambling here, but, but like, again, I just don't know that, that that fixes any real problems other than to get a look at Jalen Hurts, which, you know, I think is, is maybe um, something that they should consider. But Doug Peterson isn't going to do that. I think he made that clear in the uh, post-game press conference. Uh, if it were me, yeah, I probably would probably just start him at some point just to mm-hmm. see what I have. But I think, you know, just at a minimum, uh, a stepping stone toward that is just in a series or two and, and see if, like, he can spark the team and, and give you a reason to bench Carson Wentz. Yeah, like I've been a Carson Wentz apologist kind of in uh, the past couple of years. Uh, he's had he's had every excuse in the book behind him, um, in my opinion. And look, it can't get much worse than what he's putting out right now. So that's why you don't know what you're getting with Jalen Hurts. Like you took him in the second round as well, and you don't know what you're getting with him. So why not give it a try? Because it's better than what is on the field right now. That's how I kind of look at it. And they backed themselves in a wall by drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round. So they're, it's not like it's a media made up um scenario like they did this to themselves which is which is pretty <laughs> crazy um so i want to get back to what you brought up at the beginning um with the weird route combinations because what i am noticing right now is this offense is completely stale and it looks like the route combinations that are being run by the receivers are getting 
are awful and they're not getting any help from one another. What I mean by that is there's no rub routes. There's no bunch formations. There's no kind of let's help get our receiver open. It's kind of like, we're going to line up Fulgham and Rager and we're going to beat the guy in front of you. And it clearly didn't happen with Denzel Ward on Fulgham um, and just in general in the game. Why is this offense so stale? And is this different than you would seen the past couple of years? Cause I don't remember it being like this in 2018, 2019. Yeah, I think the point that, that you made there that really resonates with me is they, they're just lining receivers up and they're asking them to, you know, beat the, the defensive back across from them. There's no scheming mm-hmm. guys open uh, like we saw all year during the 2017 season when they won the Super Bowl. I mean, the game plan that they put together, the one that really stood out to me that year was the Broncos game where mm-hmm. they really just kind of turned Von Miller into a weapon against himself. <laughs> it was really yeah. incredible what they what they did in that game. You know, you saw in the NFC Championship game, I believe it was Xavier Rhodes on the sideline saying, man, they're just out scheming the crap out of us, right? So, like, mm-hmm. they, they did it all year to teams, and that magic clearly is long gone. And you're right. Like, I'm with you in, in terms of um, there, there's just very little creative about – there's real, very little creativity that, that's coming out of this Eagles offense, which um, sort of goes against their major efforts this past offseason to bring in guys with, you know, new ideas. Like mm-hmm. a Rich Scangarolo and and I forget the uh, uh, Briner and uh, and Marty Morningweg and they bring all these guys in and, and the offense just looks totally stale. I don't know if it's um, uh, if it's a product of too many cooks in the kitchen or if those guys just their ideas aren't being listened to. Your guess is as good as mine. I really don't know, but I am with you fully that the the Eagles should have the talent first of all to beat these teams man up on, on mm-hmm. offense right now. And uh, the, the coaching staff isn't helping by uh, by putting them in, in good positions to succeed. Yeah, I know it's it's brutal. Like you just brought up the 2017 success. Like just the how far they've fallen from that until this year is is truly remarkable. Okay, let's get into some some of the incompetence that's going on um, at the Novacare Complex and in uh, inside the organization right now. Like Doug Pearson at the press conference. I know he spoke. I believe he spoke this morning or yesterday. Um, I think Jim Schwartz was this morning, actually, and Doug was yesterday. Um, I could be mistaken. But what did you get of Doug Pearson's press conference? Again, um, it, didn't, it didn't look too pretty from watching on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the after, after the game, has pre- I mean, he's never been good at press conferences. Like, he's never been yeah. good at talking to the media. He's never been really savvy in that regard. The one really alarming answer that he gave was a question by uh, Jeff McLean, I believe, who asked uh, what the thinking was at the end of the first half when uh, it was second down and Josh Sweat sacked Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And I believe at that point it was like a third and 14. And I want to say there was a little bit less than two minutes to go. Yeah, there was like a minute 50, so, I think, left. So, Yeah, the clock is ticking. Yeah. And it's, cl- it's third and 14, and you're in the rain. And the Browns hadn't moved the ball really well at all that game, to that, to that, really at all in the game, but especially yeah. to that point in the game. Clear move is to call a timeout. <laughs> you know, give yourself, give yourself as much time as possible uh, to, to get some points at, at the end of the first half. And they didn't. Tick, tick, yeah. tick, tick, tick. 39, 39 extra seconds come off the clock before the Browns call a timeout of their own when the play clock gets down to one. So McLean asked him about that series. Doug didn't know what he was talking about. Oh, my God. Doug didn't remember. Doug didn't remember the scenario. And then, like, then, you know, McLean tried to help him. He said, you know, there was, like, X amount of time left. 
Uh, the Browns call a timeout with one second left on the play clock. And Doug is just like, ah, I don't know. You're going to have to ask me that tomorrow because I don't know what you're talking man. about. And that, that to me was really alarming. Like, I don't want to give like, you know, so, like you look like Sean McVay. Like, you know, I'm, for, to be clear, I'm not impressed by him naming players on, you know, the, the other team. Like, yeah. <laughs> morons are impressed by that. But yeah. like, he, his recall of like, of, of certain plays like two, three years ago. And then Doug can't like Doug can't remember a key series at the yeah, end. That was such an important part of the game. Yeah. Unreal <laughs> that he couldn't remember that. So to me, that was sort of an alarming aspect of, of his, of his posting press conference. Yeah. Like his press conferences are just going downhill. Like he's admitting when he's wrong, he's saying, Oh, we need to do more rollouts. And then he goes out the next game and does, I think one rollout. And I think it was in the beginning of the fourth quarter. Like it's like, it's becoming incompetence just in general with this team. Um, so speaking of that, uh, right now you got kind of got three heads to blame here. You got Carson Wentz, Howie Roseman, and Doug Peterson. Um, like if you if this 2021 are all three of these guys back? Do you think like what what do you think they do to reshuffle this? I don't think any. Well, Wentz will be back. Yeah. Um, contract wise, right? Like his contract is just a, impossible. Yeah, at a minimum, he's going to be on the team in 2021. No way around yeah. that. I mean, if somebody offers you some kind of attractive trade for him, then sure, you know what? Okay, fine. But <laughs> that's not going to happen. So he's going to be on your team in 2021. And even more realistically, he's probably going to be around in 2022 as well, although there is a little bit more of it out there. Uh, but he's going to be on, he's going to be there in 2021. So forget about him. Yeah. Doug and Howie, in my view, should probably both go. Oh, man. Howie, for sure. <laughs> Doug, maybe less so on, mm -hmm. but I, there's an argument that, that they both should go. I don't think there's really any good argument at all for, uh, for Howie at this point. I'm going to write a little bit more about that later in the week, but um, and just he, everything, everything he touched in 2020 in 2017 turned to gold. Like everything, like all of the free agent moves that they made that year, all those guys contributed, you know, trade deadline move really panned out with JJ and like mm -hmm. they, they just, he just nailed that season. He put like every good move over the last, you know, four years into that one year. <laughs> and they, yeah, they exactly. win the Super Bowl. Thereafter, there's been like really nothing you can point to as a success story for him other than, you know, like, I don't know what, trapping Miles Sanders in the second round. Is that really impressive? And that whole draft's a mess. Too, so. Fulgham. Uh, I mean, they've just missed on drafts, they missed on free agents. And they've missed in big ways in both areas. So it, it's really tough to kind of find an argument for him. And then just over the last three years, we've seen sort of uh, Doug Peterson on a, on a steady downward decline or, uh, or uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. But he hasn't been anywhere near uh, the coach that he was three years ago. Yeah, I think the, I think the Howie Roseman um... – Blame needs to, I think more blame needs to be put on him just in general. And I don't think the media, um, and just the national media, I guess, hasn't kind of taken a look at what he's done. Like, if you take a look at the Alshon Jeffrey mis mismanagement, like they could have had a roster spot open for a guy like Sidney Jones, who they just cut, or Razzle Douglas, who they just cut. And Avante Maddox is struggling right now at, at second corner. And that Alshon Jeffrey spot could have been used for someone else, right? Like, just roster mismanagement across the board. This team is old, this team is boring, this team is expensive. So, I agree with you. I think Howie Roseman deserves the majority of the blame. And then I guess these next kind of uh, these next stretch um, in the season is going to kind of um, de uh, depict if Doug is back. But uh, right now it does not look good for those two. Um, I kind of want to uh, I kind of want to get back to the NFC East here. Uh, you uh, you had a tweet this morning, kind of predicting who was going to win it, who wins the NFC East um, at the end of this year, and why. 
Yeah, so I just kind of went through the exercise of, um, you know, looking at the remaining schedules for each of the other three teams. Um, and for me, the Cowboys, I mean, first of all, not, it's not just for me, but like just, just when you look at the opposing strength of schedule in terms of wins and losses, Cowboys have by far the easiest schedule remaining. They're they're posing or they're, they're combined the combined records of their uh, last six opponents is like three sixty something winning percentage, something like that. Uh, whereas the other three teams are all over five hundred. But when you just look at the individual teams that they play, in my view, the Cowboys play five bad teams to close the season. <laughs> so you know, you look at what they did this past Sunday. They go into Minnesota. They beat, uh, you know, the Vikings record isn't any good, but they're, I, I believe they're a better team than what the record shows. So that was a legit win from the Cowboys uh, in Minnesota this weekend. And uh, they got five bad teams. They should win maybe, if they can win three of those games against those five bad teams, then you're forcing the Eagles to win at least one of these next four games against uh, the Seahawks, uh, Saints, uh, Cardinals, was the other one that I'm missing there, Packers. So, you know, if, if any one of these three other teams can win three games, the Eagles are done. Because uh, even, even if the Eagles win these last two games against the football team and the Cowboys, you know, that they will have been passed by one of these other teams. But the Cowboys, in my view, have the most, um, uh, or excuse me, have the easiest uh, upcoming schedule to, to close the season. By, and it's not even close, in my, in my view. Yeah, it's crazy to think that the Eagles might not even be a favorite in any of the rest of their games. By the time they hit Dallas and Washington, they yeah. could be three ten and one and be underdogs even in those games, which is is nuts. What a what a fall from hey, grace! You know this what? Team. Sorry to cut you off, but you know what? Like if they do go three ten and one, I mean, we all see like the pressure that they're under and how it's mounting and mounting, and it's mm-hmm. just going to continue for the next month if, if they if they lose to the Seahawks, they lose to the Packers, yeah. you know, they lose to the Saints, they lose to the Cards, just going to keep building and building and building. And it'll see like sort of what um, like what holes sort of like uh, get burst uh, from from within, and sort of like you know the the, the sort of the awfulness that that that'll happen off the field uh, as they continue to, to to drop these games and not only drop games but look boring and listless while they do it. Yeah, like I was I was saying to my mom earlier today, like it's ugly right now, but it could get a lot uglier. Like it's they haven't even hit like the their deep part of the schedule. Like we got the next four games are they're going to be heavy underdogs, and it could get a could get a lot worse in Philadelphia. Anyway, Jimmy, thanks again for doing this. Um, before you go, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find your work and where they can follow you on Twitter? Uh, PhillyVoice.com is who I write for, and uh, my Twitter handle is at Jimmy Kemsky. Very simple. Awesome. That was Jimmy Kensky of Philly Voice. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you later this week. All right, guys. Have a good one.